Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we're talking about Babylon 5 Season 2, Episodes 15 and 16. Uh, the first episode is And Now for a Word, and the second episode is In the Shadow of Zahadum. So, uh, Adam, why don't you get the ball rolling on And Now for a Word? Uh, I have thoughts on this episode, but I want to I hear your synopsis and then your thoughts on it first before I weigh in. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is a, a, a interesting episode because it's done in the style of a news documentary. It's uh, 36 hours on Babylon 5, which I think is probably a reference to the uh, old news show 48 Hours that was on yeah, back in the I, day. I and uh, but yeah, so we, we are seeing the whole thing as an hour-long news special set there and seeing kind of getting an outside view of what's going on in the station. There's a major crisis going on as the uh, Narn have attacked a Centauri ship just outside Babylon 5 that they claim is smuggling, uh, you know, weapons of mass destruction. So, it, uh, you know, it's a big diplomatic crisis going on. And uh, so, yeah, there, there is kind of an actual Babylon 5 plot going on, but you're seeing it from a weird perspective. And... Uh, yeah, and I'll say, you know, I, I compared Gropos a couple of weeks ago to uh, uh, a MASH episode. And, of course, the documentary format is something MASH did, too. But I feel I feel this episode is more distinct than when MASH yeah. did it. This, it was uh, the Gropos one. This looked more like RoboCop or Starship Troopers. Like, a, like that's... Like, yes, uh, exactly. It was way more like that. It, it exactly. Because there, there, there were commercials in this one and stuff, you know. So, the, so we got, like, the Psycor commercial and all that. But what was your feeling? How'd you feel about this episode? I I like it. It's uh, not. I I would say it's a favorite of mine. But I I, I like I, one of the things I like about this episode is how much you kind of learn about Earth. I mean, technically, you're watching a you know a documentary about Babylon Five, but you get you keep getting all these details, you know, telling details about Earth, mm-hmm. like. Uh, you know, well, the, you know, you've got the Psychor commercial for one thing, but you've also got things like the, uh, you know, the, the you know, the, the polling about the uh, the president, which is really dubious. And, you know, and it's like, well, it's polling without them even giving a number, but his, you know, his his amazing popularity and all this kind of stuff. It's uh, he's got a very sinister picture of, of what what Earth is like through this uh, through this lens. Yeah, no. yeah. So my, I, I had a very wide spectrum of responses to this one. So, so one of my pet peeves is when, like, uh, and I'm just going to use the Walking Dead as an example because it's an easy one. But, uh, but they yeah. frequently sh- uh, shake up the style of shooting. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, this week we're going to mm. do this style. This week we're going to do that style. I can't stand that. That like drives me up the wall because I like when shows have a consistent look and feel. It just helps me get into the show. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm a little bit ocd about it i don't know but that just it just really bothers me when like they're suddenly like okay now we're going to be this other show that you know you probably don't even have any interest in and so when this first started that was my reaction i was like oh man and so my first note was this episode lost me at the very start that was like that was me (laughs) five minutes in but and i'm going to swear because this was just my note but my 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 second to last note was holy shit this episode didn't suck so uh, yeah so so much happened this episode that i felt it it rose above i i really i found myself struggling with the format initially mm-hmm. um but it rose above that because there was a lot of really important developments um that were occurring and 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 it maybe the more i thought about it i was like well how would i feel about this if they handled all this stuff in a single episode that wasn't shot this way and I and I started to think maybe there was just so much going on that this was actually a better choice. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But again, I, 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 I you know, t- to me it felt like my 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 gut reaction was oh they they saw RoboCop again and decided they had to do like a RoboCop type <laughs> episode. That was sort of my my uh, you know yeah. my response to it. In fact, yeah, RoboCop in space was my note. Oh, no. On Robocop and space. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't don't love the format. It's uh I liked it better back in the day because I mean back in you know nineteen ninety five the you know media criticism in T V was a lot less 
overdone. Yeah, I mean, it's like living living in the post Daily Show era. It's like criticism and analysis of how news is done is just so run into the ground this time that it's like it doesn't feel as fresh. But in 1995, kind of having this cynical kind of view of the news was still something that was kind of exciting when you'd see it. But, no, I, I can imagine that because that was a period where like, you know, the, I mean, the internet was there, but it wasn't the way it is today where everybody was on it. And even, you know, I was on the internet, but like we were limited to these like really weird sort of like boards and stuff where you would talk about Dracula <laughs> or Iron Maiden. And it was not, it was not up to the level of like forums that we're accustomed to now and Facebook and all that. And no. you would get your information watching 48 hours. Like you would watch 48 hours and there wouldn't be a counterpoint to the 48 hour story. The 48 hour story was the last word. And so, yeah. so, so I, I know exactly what you're saying there. Um, and, and definitely I'm, I'm sensing there is a strong critique of, of journalists in this, uh, in this series or not, not yeah. all, like, yeah. like there's still, cause the way that they, the episode ends, you know, there's, 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 the the journalist who's covering it kind of rounds things out. She doesn't. It's not a total sort of like shady expose where she, you know what I mean. They're, they're, she does kind of ha- she does kind of in mm-hmm. fairness explain like oh this isn't like every day is not like this on Babylon Five, but um but clearly the journalists have been kind of you know like there's like the scene where she's trying to get uh, a Vorlon on camera. And she she pans the camera over to Kosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and there's the with the scene where she uh goes after delenn and uh delenn has yet another rough episode here she yeah is, i felt uh, bad for her... delenn in that moment that was a that was a very uncomfortable scene um, yeah yeah i, I kind of wish that they'd uh you know been a little more subtle with the character of cynthia torkman because she is she, she she's kind of just a bit too broad in being this you know, being this kind of patronizing news person. It's like, I feel like if it was just pulled back 10%, you know, just 10%, it would be a better, it would be a better episode. But so you might, people might not notice it though. That's the, that's the line they have to, and also they, every new, every news person we've seen has been like this. Like, and I remember in the early episodes, there was a news person yeah. on the, and she was, you know, exactly like this woman. And the, and the character's name is Torkman. So, I mean, like, Cynthia Torkman, that's like, you know, I expect a little bit of, you know, she's kind of like the lawyer character that we were talking about last, you know. Yeah. I, I think there is sort of like a, again, like, uh, you know, a little bit of a Robocop and Starship Troopers approach to how they handle and And, 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 and we should mention, I think, wasn't there a, um, a, uh, a guy from Starship Troopers in this episode now that we're we're talking about was it. The, the there? Se- uh uh Ronald Quantrell the uh the actor who played him when we were just looking him up oh um, well, he he was in RoboCop I'm sorry no, I, not I, RoboCop yeah. Starship Troopers I think Starship Troopers I'm yep. sorry <laughs> I mean I don't know maybe he was in RoboCop too I, I just saw the Starship Troopers thing um he was Rico's yeah. father in Starship Troopers which uh, uh I don't think Starship Troopers had happened at this point had it uh, oh, that oh, that's out. a good point. What? Uh, let's see. What year was this? I episode? think that's more like '96, maybe off the top of my head. So, Starship Troopers, I think, was the same year, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. Oh no, no, it was '97. It was '97. '97. Right. So, okay. So, two, okay. So, so that's not a connection that would have been there when they cast him. Um, yeah. But it's still an interesting connective point. Maybe, it is. Maybe the people that start, you know, maybe maybe. Uh, you know, the, the when they made Starship Troopers, they were like, "Oh, you know, this guy has uh, been in this episode that was very, very much up our alley." So we'll 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 have him play Rico's dad. But uh, yeah, and I'll say one thing: one thing you got watching this on TV back in the day <laughs> that you don't get, you know, watching it on on either on DVD as I am now or on Amazon like you are, is that. That psych op ad is, you know, connected to the actual block of ads. And, I, you know, I don't know if you remember, but back in the 90s, you know, there were all those ads like where you could send your kid who had depression or a drug problem or something. You could send them away to some hospital that was like just all these sinister ads on all the time on late night TV for those. And 
I can distinctly remember watching this and that ad started and my, my, there seemed nothing strange about it at all. I just thought, oh, it's another one of these stupid, you know, send your kid away to lock them up somewhere where they can get help because they're a problem. I just like picked up my book, started reading, waiting for the commercials to end. And then in the corner, I had a psychop like picks it, like walks into the frame. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? You know, it was like, I, it, 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 I mean, it seems so over the top and silly now, but it's funny to me that I actually believed that was a real commercial for a fair amount of it when it that, first aired. That really would make a difference. Yeah, that's definitely some, something I'm definitely not getting is any, anything like that would totally go over my head because I'm watching on Amazon and that was just, you know, in between scenes, basically. I mean, you know, I knew yeah. it was during, I mean, I guess, I guess if I was paying attention, I probably could have figured it was because it, it transitioned like a commercial break, I think. But I think I just yeah. thought, oh, they were just trying to make it look like they were going to commercial break. And really, it was, you know, this yeah. this ad. So, um, yeah, cause I think it, I think they may have I think they may have even come back from commercials with that ad segment. So I think I, I could be wrong, but I think that was like you'd, you'd been watching ads and then that came on. You know, it's like it seemed like it was an additional ad, but I could be wrong about that. So, but either way, either way, it did fool me at the time. <laughs> but we did get a lot of really important plot developments. This, I mean, there was the whole thing yes. with weapons of mass destruction, which was interesting because, like, you know, that's a, uh, you know, I remember that term being thrown around a lot in the early two thousands. I didn't remember it as much in the nineties, but maybe, maybe they did use it during the Gulf War or something. Um, yeah, um, it was out there. Like I said, it was it wasn't a common word though, so it is kind of interesting that they they did make that a uh, a, a significant term in the episode yeah because i mean because I, I mean if you if you put that in a show in like 2005 people it would be like you know it, you know the, the reference would be immediate but i feel like in the 90s it might not be as as clear um and uh but i but i but but basically they're 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 the, the centauri are are transporting weapons of mass destruction using babylon 5 as like a i don't know like a middle point or something i guess for for the you know yeah and uh well, which is really also, ballsy that's really like a ballsy sort of in your face move it is they've actually brought that up before in the show too I, I i can't remember what the specific plot was but back in season one there was a thing about you know people moving weapons from one ship to another mm. but not actually doing it on board babylon 5 and kind of the quasi legality of kind of shifting weapons near Babylon 5. That was like a season one plot point. So like when people host like illegal parties on boats, like that kind of a thing, like we're in international waters. So yeah, they're in neutral space. So it's like, it is, it is kind of cool that the show had raised that point before, before bringing it up in this one in a, in a new context. So it's been an ongoing issue. It might've been the Narn who were doing it in season one. So yeah. Cause the Narn was, were the ones that were up to a lot of shady business in season one, as I recall. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, but it, it was, I mean, that was a big development. And then it really, expl- like, it really gets out of control fast. Like, like, yeah. gets, and, and the thing is, you almost don't realize it because it's shot in that news style. Like if this were a regular episode, I feel like I would have been like, oh my God, Babylon 5 is going to get blown out of the, like, like all this stuff is happening. And, uh, you know, but it was kind of in the background because we were seeing it, like we were seeing Sheridan deal with the crisis and things play out on the screens behind him and stuff. And it kind of, I don't know, it created a buffer. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and but basically, uh, you know, the the whole thing with the Centauri battle cruiser or something showing up. And, yeah, I know. Like, After everything's kind of resolved and this Narn battle cruiser shows up and it's like, ah, no. <laughs> and, uh, and then the, so the Narn and the Centauri fight each other and destroy each other pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Londo clearly has a better handle on PR and, and all that than um, than Jakar, I think. Uh, yeah, you know, Jakar, Jakar's passions seem to be getting the better of him. Um, and, and Londo sort of pulling the, you know, you know, if only we could find a way to work together, you know, it's a shame, <laughs> you know, he's, he's sort of it's hitting all the right notes for the viewers back on home at earth. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's interesting given the, uh, kind of anti-alien, uh, feeling on earth that, uh, that they, they do kind of, you know, give, give Malari here this big chance to, to, to get his message across. You know, it seems like there's a certain bias towards the Centauri at play in this thing. 
but which EP fully makes use of. Well, <laughs> well they did try to talk to Jakar. It's just Jakar. He just never seemed to be pulling it off. You know what I mean? Like, and 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 granted, you know, Jakar's not doing it. So so Jakar's chambers are darkly lit with a red light. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're just true. used to that. But like, you know, you could. You, the juxtaposition, if you're a viewer on Earth watching some guy who's like in like a, you know, normal looking room versus a, a stranger looking, less human looking alien in a, in a you know, red hued chamber, you, uh, you know, your reactions are going to be different. Um, yeah. But we got we got Jakar's backstory, too. I don't know if he's mentioned this stuff before. Um, you know, where is, I think it was this episode, unless I'm mistaken, where he talks about his um, uh, his experience uh, joining sort of the resistance against the Centauri and and what happened with his family. And, and you yeah. get the impression that he was basically kind of like a house slave, I think. I think that's what his, it sounded like that's what his family was. I don't know if that's what all Narn were or if there were like different, you know, if it was sort of like, you know, slavery in the American South where you, you know, you had different uh, divisions of things. But, but it sounds like his father le- lived relatively comfortably and didn't, and didn't resist and, and basically told Jakar to do the fighting that he didn't do was was my t- was actually that- we've gotten information other information elsewhere his, his father was actually killed by the centauri they uh took him out and hung him from a tree so no no that's no but that's what i'm saying but when he um, oh but when but didn't he give Jakar some final words before oh yeah yeah i'm sorry yeah you're saying that when he when he was executed he gave him final words i might have misunderstood the scene but i thought what he was saying was like i didn't do enough you know like you need to you need to fight and like i think his i think his father was trying to protect his family basically because the mother was sick and they couldn't flee they couldn't fight you know they didn't and it just didn't work out, and then, and so Jakar. So I don't know, but I liked I liked Jakar's backstory because uh, maybe he's mentioned it before, and I haven't heard it, or I just haven't remembered it. But yeah. but it's really starting to take shape in my head, and I'm I'm getting a better sense of what drives Jakar. And Jakar's becoming such a different character than I thought he was going to be for me. So um, yeah, I mean, he is, you know, he is he. It is a very personal conflict for him which which it does explain a lot of what he does and like you say you know being you know his his frequent you know quasi-legal shady things he does all the time having come from a freedom fighter background that 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 makes a lot of sense as well and uh and uh what was the uh oh yeah so so i don't know but any, any other thoughts on that episode i think i've gone through all of my um oh I think I'm clear on that one. Let me just double check. Oh, the other big deal. Uh, it's, it's not a big deal, but I thought it was an interesting note, too, that they kind of bring up, you know, former Senator Hidoshi. You know, it's like Hidoshi, who during the first season was the one senator that was, you know, Sinclair's ally that, you know, was always, you know, he, he was moderate in his support, but he was always looking out for Babylon 5. It's kind of like a little ominous note that it's like, oh, Hidoshi isn't even in office anymore, you know. So we, uh, instead of getting this senator who who just doesn't really seem to care about Babylon 5 much. Hmm. No, that's, um, the, um, yeah, there, there were a lot of little details like that in this episode. Um, you also kind of got, like, hints of how things are, going back on earth uh just into, like because you know you get, you get all those clips of the senator and and it just, yeah. you know, it's like you were saying like you just get like a real sense that there's you know developments um yeah yeah the, the other blatant one was uh talking about you know how there's a a small violent minority on mars that wants independence that's you know terrorizing you know the the vast majority of people that support earth on mars <laughs> i was like that's that's just a little uh, little heavy-handed there so um so yeah so we should probably get into uh episode 16 in the shadow of yes. doom which yes. um which i didn't realize that was the name of the episode when i when i watched the episode the way it, it appeared on my amazon screen was in the shadow of z and so I was telling Adam before the podcast, I was wondering what C refers to. And, and, and I noticed Zach in this episode. I was like, oh, is it Zach? Is it what, what is it? And then Zach kind of gets involved in this Nightwatch thing. So I was like, oh, maybe they're going to take Zach in this wild direction that I didn't ex- expect. Um, you know, just all stemming from, 
the 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 name of the of the episode not being fully across the screen on my Amazon account. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. What, what's your overview of this episode? Well, uh, the big part of this episode is that uh, Sheridan gets a he finds out that Morden was actually on board the ship where his wife was uh, killed, and he somehow survived this accident. And he goes completely out of control trying to get information from this guy. <laughs> he just completely loses it. And uh, the other thread going on in this episode, which actually is earlier and mostly earlier in the episode, is that we get we get more of Veer. Veer Londo is is away, and Veer is uh, kind of running things in his place this week. And Veer, Veer and his uh, you know growth as a character tells Morden exactly what he thinks of him. <laughs> now, and again, there, there is, I've always sort of wondered if there's that possibility that Morden is, um, sort of manipulating people into doing that. But my first note is Veer ain't so smart. Um, you know, that yeah, was, that, yeah. That, uh, but, but what was your, what was your, uh, feeling about the episode? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I have mixed feelings. It's obviously a huge, huge revelations in this episode. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm a little ambivalent on how, you know, out of control Sheridan kind of gets in his pursuit of trying to get to the truth. I'm like, man, I don't know if I entirely buy Sheridan acting this way, but yeah. it, it just, I mean, I get that it's about his wife and so on, but it it seemed a little out of character to me to a degree, but other than that, I, I liked the episode as a whole. Yeah. No, I would agree. I felt that they were pushing him in a direction that seemed like I didn't think he would go that far. It seemed like he was going a little bit too far for how his character tends to behave. Yeah. Um, if you are going to have something that pushes you into that realm, I suppose this is as good an excuse as any for it. Like this is probably the be- the one that kind of makes sense, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I had a little trouble swallowing that too. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, when, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, like when Garibaldi says, you know, hey, we can cut him loose, and I'll keep someone on him, and we'll find find out more about this guy. I'm like, that seems like a plan that Sheridan would yeah. go along with. You know, <laughs> I think what they were trying to do is is oftentimes you'll have a movie or a TV show where the the antagonist is that character that Sheridan was being this episode. And yeah. I think they were trying to flip that and turn one of the main characters into that character through what felt like a plausible reason. Um, you know, and so it was interesting in that respect. It was interesting that we were seeing one of our main characters become that person, sort of like, okay, now I'm going to break the rules. And and also, we've seen a lot of our hero characters break the rules before, but it's always been for the right reasons, and we've always supported it. But in this case, he was going so far that like people around him are getting uncomfortable that, you yeah. know, but, but my issue was this Sheridan knows that he's in on a conspiracy with Franklin Ivanova and Garibaldi. And so he can't just have Garibaldi quitting. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he brought him in on this really super ultra secret conspiracy. So that was the part where I could almost buy Sheridan going off the deep end a bit because he's grieving for his wife still or something or whatever. Like I could sort of, you know, maybe he's just been bottling all that up, but that he would have no sense of how dangerous that move would be for, mm-hmm. for him, for Babylon five, for the people on earth that he's working with. That was the part that I felt like a military guy like him, who is like, you know, we sort of know he's, I mean, he's, he's not just any war hero. Do you know what I mean? He's like a, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, he, uh, so, yeah, I, I thought that that was the part that kind of, kind of really pushed it over for me, um, and also I felt like Veer was kind of getting reckless in his honesty with Morden, um, like, and I understand yeah. from the comfort of my seat, that's what everybody wants to say to Morden. Do you know what I mean? But like, Veer is there; he shouldn't be so reckless. Uh, and so I know. that was that was sort of troubling me because I don't like it when shows give a character moral clarity and moral uh bravery that a, a real person wouldn't have in that moment if they because he understands how powerful morden is do you know what i mean and so i feel like mm-hmm. either veer is cocky which maybe he is and i guess that would make sense uh or he's just sort of 
kind of unrealistically stepping into that zone because it's satisfying to the audience. Um, yeah, or, I mean, you, oh, you could oh, you could you could attribute it to him being a little cocky because he did just get the boost from Londo, where Londo was willing to step out and go, "No, you're my, <laughs> you're my aide here. You're the you're you're the guy." He, he like went out on a line. And so maybe maybe Veer is feeling a little cocky at the moment for that reason. No, he could be. I just feel like that's also something you don't lay out on the table. No, you, know I mean? you should Like, you don't tell somebody that. You you make Mr. Morden think you like him, and then if that's what you want, you make that happen down the road. Like, uh, Yeah, so. yeah. I, I, Veer is not very political in that yeah. particular way at all, I don't think. I mean... No, I mean, yeah. he's he's a different character. I get it. I just feel like that was, um, I don't know that though that those are the, those are the kinds of things that will sometimes annoy me about characters when they they sort of like it's almost suicidal. You know, he's uh -huh. almost suicidal what he's doing. And and again, from the comfort of the seat watching the show, doesn't you know it feels entertaining. So I get it. But like, I'd like to see the character a little bit more cautious. Even Veer, even Veer, I think would understand. <laughs> the weight of what he just did um but i don't know maybe i'm you know maybe i'm just being picky uh but yeah. but i did like i did like i i did sort of like where they were because at first i thought oh my god he's one of these weird zombie uh cyborgs that we've we've learned about because they mm. find out that he's you know he's uh he was alive on the on the icarus and and so uh then it turns out it's a lot more uh suspicious than that and so i liked that i feel like they were guiding me into thinking that and then they shifted it over to zaha doom which i would have known if i had seen the full title but i, I didn't know the full title, so. you're still yeah but uh yeah because then there's the other z in the title which is zach uh you know and of course zach does have his plot where the night watch uh is introduced in this episode is this this it's just organization that's just looking out for people. Just we know wants to help maintain the peace, and you get a cool yeah. armband, and They're you get part the, of the yeah, Ministry of Peace. So there's like this like whole like you know like very 1984 <laughs> thing going on. Um, yeah, and and I love they give you 50 extra credit. So Zach is you know, I, I that's where I was wondering. I was like, oh, is Zach gonna go like down a really dark path here? Like that's where I thought it was. Gonna, I thought Zach was gonna be like turning in Sheridan or. Or, or or something but but yeah. i have to say i like i did like this episode i i enjoyed it i thought a lot happened and i liked the revelations we got towards the end i liked it it really kind of like these two episodes things really started cooking by the end so i feel like you know they they both had their issues but they but by the end of it there were there was substantial meal to be had uh on the part of the viewer yeah, yeah, and you actually get to see Zaha Doom, and you get a, a good look at a shadow mm. for the first time in the show, where they're not they're not all in predator mode, you know. <laughs> and granted, you know the effects are a little dated, but I still like that sequence. Well, and I also I feel like this episode the the Morden character has always been kind of um, uh, I don't know like a weird sort of. How growth in the show like it just doesn't look right compared to everything else to me which i know is sort of deliberate but i never i was always like how are they going to explain this character because to me yeah. he looked like i figured he was a shape-shifting alien pretending to be human i was like that still feels a little weird but this this actually makes sense do you know what i mean he is actually that it like that personality i think is his actual personality unless unless yeah. there's revelations that we're not getting and that makes total sense he's just kind of a jerk like you know he's a little bit of a of a of a of a snake oil salesman or a you know he's got that sort of he's got that vibe going on um, yeah which, he's, he's the guy that when the shadows capture the humans um on earth uh, on on zaha doom he's the one they're like yeah we can work with this guy this is yeah. the guy this is the guy we want to use as our agent yeah. that's who that's who morden is so he's the one who's going to sell out his sell out all of humanity to the shadows and i think but, that's, uh, a, that's a way better explanation for him than him being being one of the shadows himself being a zombie mm -hmm. cyborg being any of these that that it's a it's a, it's a rather mundane explanation as science fiction shows go but it it it, it, it made me buy and i don't know why i keep wanting to call him zach but it made me buy more <laughs> uh yeah. you know way more than uh 
than I was previously buying him. And, and so I, I think on that ground alone, this was a good episode, uh, you know, for that. Uh, you know, and there were some interesting things. We, I mean, again, I, I think you and I both have our quibbles about uh, Sheridan's direction this episode. But he goes to yeah. some interesting places. And, and there's that map that you pointed out to me um yeah screen that looks like a D map and and so uh, <laughs> adam sent me a screenshot of there's a scene where sheridan wants to get a psychic reading of 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 uh morden and uh talia says you know i can't just go in there and read his mind you know we're not allowed to do that and so he arranges for morden to be transported to another cell while talia is walking by and, 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 and basically triggers an unintentional reading on her part. And she sees some weird crap and freaks out. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, but as they're planning that, we see a, we see a, we see a map of the different cells in, in the area that, that uh, Morden's being held. And it looks like one of these blue and white uh, Dungeons and Dragons maps from yeah. way back in the day, like the ones that used to be on the, on the back of the interior side of the, of the module cover. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and it's just, and, and so we're, our theory was, so, so, so one possibility is the, you were saying that it, like the guy that designed that was a D and D player or something or had experience. With yeah. D&D. It's, it just so perfectly looks like a D and D map. And it's the exact shade of blue that they would use in those maps. It's also the rooms are in white and you know, everything but the rooms is in blue, just like in those maps. And there's even a grid overlaid on it. It's just everything about it. I'm like, it's a D and D map. <laughs> <laughs> and, and but the other possibility i was thinking is well maybe they had like uh, maybe we, you know i don't know where D maps got that look from maybe they were inspired by something that inspired the show but i think your explanation makes more sense um mm-hmm. i think that's the more the simple more obvious explanation that doesn't require as much you know stuff going on the guy the guy doing the cgi on the show was a nerd yeah. that's my explanation yeah, that, that, I think, <laughs> that i think makes more sense um but but yeah, so there was that, and 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 there are huge revelations for Sheridan because uh, Delenn and Kosh tell him like, you know, you you gotta go, you gotta let Morden go. Like things are gonna go bad yeah. really quickly if you don't let Morden go. And uh, and this is around the point when I really got sold on this episode. This is like where I was like, okay, I'm liking this episode for sure. Um, sure. They t- they take Sheridan in and they explain to him like everything about the shadows and uh, or at least everything, you know. That I that that seem you know there's probably more but but everything up to this point uh, that they can tell us about the shadows and and we learn about this sort of you know this big conflict ten thousand years ago and and a thousand years ago apparently between the Mimbari and 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 the, so can you explain the sort of cosmology of this it sounds like there's there there are these really ancient races and among them are the shadows who I think are maybe the most ancient is that correct or are they just... They're definitely about the. They're, I mean, they're definitely as old. Well, there's the first ones, which are the oldest races, and uh, and most of those have all left, uh, except the. Uh, you know, it seems like the Vorlons and the Shadows are the only ones to have come. There've been like repeated cycles of them, kind of warring over time. And the last war was ten thousand years ago, I think they said, but. I think at one point she mentioned one that occurred a thousand years ago. Oh well. yeah, you're right. You're right. There was a big one at thou- ten thousand years ago, and then there was another one a thousand years ago. That's right. And that's that just how the Mumbari have gotten keyed into it, I guess. That's why they're a little bit more aware. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mumbari were part of that, and that's probably where Jakar gets all of his information from. Is probably you know them not being as advanced a race they've probably got a much more mythical account of that war which is what they seem to have because like you know the, the, every time we see his holy book and stuff it seems to be you know uh, it's like a mythologized version of what what uh delen seems to have a much more practical handle on um mm-hmm. and uh and and uh and yeah so then there's the, and also did they say that kosh is like the last vorlon to remain is that that was really unclear. I wasn't sure, you know, she said, you know, I wasn't sure if she was speaking of, you know, by the first ones, meaning the Vorlons were the last race to stick around, or if Kosh was the last first one mm-hmm. overall to stick around. So yeah. that was, yeah, the, the wording on that was kind of vague. Okay. 
But, now we know there's more Vorlons because we've seen more. I mean, we haven't yeah. we haven't seen more Vorlons in the flesh, but we've you know back in the pilot we had other Vorlon ships and so but, on. So but we, we know, know that Vorlon other... ships are organic. So that's what I was I was thinking. Oh, about. oh that's true. Those could have been totally unmanned. Like, uh, you know, like you know. But again, I guess I don't I don't know. Does a Vorlon ship count as a Vorlon? Is that? Uh, well, yeah, uh, I guess that's another thing. Are they? Yeah, do they make that distinction? But, I mean, they might. But I had these burning questions, and so it, it really, and I like when shows do that, where I'm like, wait a second, what's what did they, what, what did they say? And you know, I have to sort of think about it, and so I feel like you know, I definitely like there are definitely parts of this episode I want to go and rewatch, um, because yeah. I really want to hammer down some of that info. Um, but it's uh, but I thought it was, inter- I thought that revelation was good. I thought the backstory was really good. It's it's mm-hmm. I think it's and I like the pace at which they've been revealing it um it's it's been you know that stuff's been working for me and uh i'm just curious what they mean when they say you know that the first ones have left like like did, did they go to another dimension did they did they die like what's the what's the situation um yeah yeah that's 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 somewhat mysterious they're gone but uh the uh yeah another element another element too out of that scene too is you're kind of getting this widening circle of of interlocking conspiracies you have you know sheridan's part of the the human conspiracy that's that's keeping an eye on the earth government that he's part of and now now he's kind of now this is the episode where where the lens and and kosh have really bought bought him on board that conspiracy that we could trace all the way back to the prequel movie when the land first you know mm. meets meets kosh so it's, we kind of got we kind of got this interlocking thing going on right now, and we and we left out the most important part when Sheridan goes back to Kosh and is like, you know, I want yeah. I want to fight at Zaha Doom. I want you know teach me how to fight. Like it was like a very sort of that was like a very Star Wars moment. I felt like a very <laughs> sort of like you know, okay Yoda, you know, I want to go kill Vader kind of a thing. So um, yeah, but but it was in, it was definitely a turn, and so. You know, maybe it won't be as much of a turn in the next few episodes. I don't know, but it seems like that's like okay, he has got a path clearly laid out for him now. Um, yeah, so. it's not just I want to understand you and yeah. that kind of thing. Now, which, now he has a purpose. Which I think <laughs> I think that's so. When I used to do martial arts, one of the things they always said in every school I ever went to was goal setting in martial arts is like the most important thing because there's nothing more useless and potentially reckless than just learning martial arts with no like you know and the goal could be simple it could be i want to fight at x competition i want to become a trainer or whatever the thing is but having a goal and and i feel like the stuff he was doing with kosh it was almost a little bit uh i don't know sort of touchy-feely getting enlightened for its own sake and it didn't have any broader (laughs) aim and and sometimes that's something that a lot of shows will just do and i like that they sort of firmly rooted this now in an actual cause where yeah you know and they're doing it it's very conscious like i mean this is just like two episodes after that episode i think so um two or three uh you know where, where he sort of has the the, the 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 that moment where he was you know it's almost like a uh the world light lit up a little bit more for him when he went into that area of the ship and saw the the, the chanting um yeah and we get some very portentous lines from kosh too you know as in the you know you you're recognized recognized by who mm-hmm. everyone yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think i mean i've again i think i've read enough arthur c clark to sort of know where this is going um but you were explaining that this is also part of the um uh what series was it the uh there's a series that this is very strongly inspired by um oh. a, a books of books the, Which one am I talking? Like in relation to what? In relation to in, the in uh, relation to what I think the Vorlons might be. Boy, I'm <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm drawing a complete blank on what I said. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll come back to me. We can move on for now. But okay. yeah, I, uh, but I think I know but, what I think I know what Kosh is. I think I know. I think I know what Kosh is is going to look like. Um, and and again, <laughs> Adam's giving me the old poker face, but I'm quite sure. Like I said, like I know I, I've read Childhood's End, so. I know that this is going to be like the opposite of childhood's end. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, so, so anyways, I, 
I thought it was a good episode. Uh, I think both episodes had their flaws. I think, you know, the first one really had, like, I was prepared to, like, completely write off that episode. And the only reason why in the end I kind of give it, like, a B maybe is because an Mm -hmm. episode that starts out that way but continues to hold my, like, you know, I I stop critiquing because it's entertaining me. Um, Yeah. It must be doing something right. And, And I had that in the back of my head. Maybe this was the smarter way to reveal these plot developments than in a straight episode. So, um. yeah, no, I agree with you on that episode. I mean, and it's it, it comes out like I said, it comes off a lot more heavy-handed than it originally did because people are just so much, so much more savvy about media critique now that yeah. it that what what worked, which what I thought worked pretty well at the time, now just feels like okay, yeah, we we understand, we get it about the media. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, because when Starship Troopers first came out, and even RoboCop first came out, a lot of people didn't get the satire. Um, yeah, and I mean, now everybody knows, but like, uh, and, and and most people got it within a within a year or two. It wasn't like it was, you know, <laughs> eventually it sunk in. But I do remember reading reviews when. Uh, at least when Starship Troopers came out. And I'm pretty sure I remember hearing a lot of people complaining about Robocop taking a lot of the stuff that was joke as serious. And so I, yeah. I think, I think you know, again, I, I think you're right. I think it played differently in the 90s than it would play today because we are a little bit more, uh, again, it's the internet age, so everybody's a genius because, you know, you can look up <laughs> anything in a second. And, and so, you know, um, but... Yeah. But yeah, so so yeah, so I, I I enjoyed both episodes. They did that. They did have their their issues, but mm-hmm. but for the most part, this this was a solid streak. Um, I think different people will react differently to that that newscast episode because it is different. And so that's uh you know, I I was prepared not to like it. I was really sort of like like I said, this show this episode has lost me from the beginning. Um, yeah, yeah. And I guess one more note I'll make about the second episode, The Shadow of Zaha Doom. It's kind of interesting that we have the Night Watch plot, you know, there at the same time as we have Sheridan really engaging and really heavy handed, you know, basically fascist tactics to try and get information out of somebody. I thought <laughs> that's kind of an interesting choice putting those in the same episode. And I have to say, I kind of <laughs> like the guy who is doing the Ministry of Peace thing. He came off very, like, yeah, if, if, if it was a little unclear to me exactly what was going on uh, initially when he started speaking to Talia, and then I, and then it started to dawn on me. Um, but he, the the way they had that character talking and acting um, was working, um, and again, it was very believable. Yeah, yeah, it, it was an yeah. inter- it was a very interesting approach, um, and uh, and also mm-hmm. again now. This is a this is something that maybe in the '90s had a little bit more clout because I think the guy had a British accent. In the '90s, that would have sounded a certain way to people that it maybe doesn't sound the same now, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So, um, but it, but yeah, it it did. I, it was a case, you know, talking about how I thought the reporter stuff was a little heavy-handed. I felt like. I felt like it was actually a pitch. I'm like, yeah, I could see, I could see people falling for this mm. pitch. There was yeah. no point where it, it never, it never quite. I mean, it, you know, it rang alarm bells off for me, but for the, you know, a lot of people, I could see just buying into that and it, like completely. You know, yeah. I, it's believable that Zach was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. What the heck? Yeah, Fifty extra <laughs> credits. Okay, sign me up. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. So um, and also, I, I in that episode. I think it was that episode. There was a, uh, I, I think there was a, there was an interesting Holocaust reference by Jakar, which, uh, which I thought was intriguing where, um, um, where he was talking about never again. And so, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I thought that I thought, you know, I, 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 what, I, what, what, I, what I, what I'm finding interesting is sort of, I, I want to see how earth is going to be. I'm, I'm very curious where the sympathies on earth are going to fall as this conflict really, because I mean, it's, it's starting to hit the point now where clearly the Narn are on the losing end of this. I can't yeah. imagine they will be forever because we got so many more seasons. So I, don't <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious how that's going to play out on earth. And I'm wondering how those different appeals from Shakar and Londo are going to be heard. Um, and if that'll itself create divisions on earth, um, because you know, any conflict like this, you can imagine on Earth, there might be people taking different sides. There might be people sure. who are pro Narn. There might be people that are pro Centauri, and then there might be people that just want to get the hell out of 
everything. So yeah, we don't want to get you know. I bet that's that's the note they hammer a couple times in that uh, in in that uh, the the, uh, the the kind of documentary episode is about you know non-human conflicts. It's like you know how Babylon Five just getting us enmeshed in all these conflicts that have nothing to do with us. But so. but even the people that are saying that also will talk about the importance of interstellar trade and stuff. So they're still like aware. They're, yeah. they're still it's not like a totally. I mean, there is like an isolationist component to it for sure, but it feels like there is also uh, like economic things that people are aware of that would, you know, I, I don't think anybody's just going to completely want to pull out of Babylon 5. And um, I, I think it's a matter of uh, of how much we're investing in it is the, yeah, is the big question yeah. right now. But I don't know, maybe, maybe things will change. Yeah, because like, it's interesting because there is there obviously is conflict on Earth about it because you do have people that are going, oh, you should be putting less into it. But at the same time, it's only been a few episodes since they just put an entire huge new heavily armed defense grid on yeah. Avalon 5 to soup it up. Yeah. So it's uh, it's like, yeah, clearly there are people going, hey, we should, we've got a cool military base out here. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm eager to see how things go. Um, it's, 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 and I like the complexity of it. I like that these things are not being dealt with in a, I mean, on the one hand, they are simple because there is sort of a black and white morality underplaying it in that Londo is allied with these shadow people. And so there is sort of this, this black and white aspect to it. But at the same time, a lot of the stuff has texture and nuance that, Mm -hmm. um, you don't often see. Um, and so I find, I, especially when they get into sort of like the politics stuff and the, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it feels a little bit more uh, intricately put together. So, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I don't, I'm curious to see if Veer gets his wish because everybody who's expressed their wish, it <laughs> seems like maybe Morden is, uh, or the shadow people sometimes make good. And, and now that we know Morden's situation, you know, putting his head on a pike might, you know, if they, maybe they'll need Veer. And so maybe maybe letting him see a beheaded Morden is is not such a you know they they can probably they can probably dispose of Morden if if it'll if it'll get them what they want so we'll get him get him a beer yeah. but uh yeah <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah so we'll see will uh will, will Morden be able to deliver deliver this wish but once again he is selective in what wishes he wants to grant i mean you know i mean jakar told him his wish and uh he didn't didn't grant jakar but his we don't wish, know so. that yet see that's the thing i don't know maybe huh? maybe we do maybe that maybe maybe he's able to these are not mutually exclusive things yeah do you know what i mean yeah so so the most interesting resolution to this show would be that if if, if all of the hopes and dreams in that scene played out to their completion you know, buy <laughs> and and fuel each other in the process. That would be a very interesting resolution. Also, I didn't. I I, I don't think Sheridan. I think he asked Sheridan what he wanted, and Sheridan maybe didn't respond. I don't know, but I, it occurs to me he might. You mean be Sinclair even... or? No, Sheridan, right? Oh, wait, who Morton? Oh, Morton. Did did Morton ask? Yeah, I guess he did. I I'm, I'm I could have missed it, but, yeah. but I guess what I'm getting at is he might be in a position to give Sheridan what he wants. Um. Because he, because because Sheridan wants to know what happened on the Icarus, right? Yeah. And so yeah, um, yeah, that's that is interesting. Uh, so. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I guess he has uh, told told Morden what he wants. <laughs> um, so so, anyways, I don't know. Interesting episodes, um, and we'll be back on uh, I guess Wednesday with um, with the uh, the next two or three depending on how many we get through it might be two because i have a lot of layout stuff i'm doing this weekend and this week so two might be more reasonable for me um, sure yeah actually if we if we uh if we stick to two that that we've got six episodes left so okay. you know doing doing breaking it down in twos well actually either way it works i mean it's actually like, that might be ideal. By two or three i think so. i want to go two at a time then because i would like to i would like to hesitate before i have to get the next season just just from a purely economic economic standpoint, standpoint. yeah, yeah. Um, but, but uh, get all these layouts done and get a product done and get money coming yeah. in before the next season <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, and i i think it's the kind of you know babylon 5 gives plenty of lip service to sort of the re, you know the the reality of, of economics and things like that so um, yeah, yeah but 
but uh, but also on Thursday, uh, me and Lady Telfogi, we don't know, maybe Adam and Kenny, we'll see. But we're uh, we're not having our normal Friday podcast for for martial arts stuff. But but me and uh, Lady Telfogi are planning on doing a special one on Thursday for uh, intimate confessions of a Chinese courtesan, which you know I I think uh, I think a lot of people haven't seen, but they've heard the title. And uh, it's it, it, in many ways, it's what it sounds like it is, but in many ways, it is not. And so it's a it's a very sort of classic Chor Yuen movie that has some surprisingly good fight choreography in it and a really cohesive storyline that's uh, shot I- incredibly. Um, so, you know, we'll be talking about that on Thursday and uh, and then. Uh, the following week, I think we resume our normal Friday podcast. So, all right. So uh, we will be back on. Until then, we will talk to you later. Bye.